You know, Zach, the year is 2017, and by law, if you are a human being, you have to have at least seven different podcasts. Are you ready for this one? I think so. I think it's going to be a great one. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I'm Matt Baker, and joining me as he will every week forever is the world's foremost Zach Mabry. It's Zach Mabry. Zach, say hi to the people. Hello, people. All right, this is the first episode of this this wonderful podcast. So we've been talking about doing a podcast for a while because anyone who wants to do a podcast obviously loves the sound of their own voices and has a heightened sense of self-importance. But mainly, Zach and I realize we like talking about all things Catholic and just all things in general with each other, so we thought we would take it to the airwaves. Yes, we would take our conversations worldwide via the interwebs and, you know, see what we can do. Maybe we'll get some positive feedback, some negative feedback if we're wrong. Um, you know, we're always looking to be corrected if we ever are wrong, so what that I, be fun. What I like to say, it's not about being right, it is about being correct. Two, uh-huh. two different things, Zach. Too different, so different. It's so so different. Uh, if you want to engage us, we we don't have an email set up for the podcast as of the recording of this episode, but we'll get that out to you. On Twitter, I'm at Hey It's Matt Baker, and Zach is at Zach Mabry Z A C M A B R Y. So, I think a good place to start. Our very first podcast would be an episode about Christmas, because everybody loves Christmas, right? Everybody loves Christmas. Before um, before we get except, to that, except the Grinch, and we are not um, we're not intolerant of Grinches, and so I just want to you know make sure if anyone from the Grinch community is listening, we um, <laughs> we validate you. We validate the Grinch community. I before we get to that though. If any, if at any time the sound goes out on this podcast, don't worry, we will get it corrected and we will restart the podcast. Unlike a theater in Burbank, <laughs> <laughs> you like that segue? <laughs> yeah, that's a good segue. Thank you. Uh, a theater in Burbank was showing the new Star Wars movie, and it played without sound for 20 minutes and they refused to start the movie over Zach and I want to read you the first the first line of this news story mm-hmm. Star Wars fans at a Burbank theater went to the dark side when a screen of the last Jedi played without sound for 20 minutes moviegoers were ready to stage a new rebellion when an AMC theater in Burbank either could not or would not restart the 10 p.m. showing of the film. First of all, just great. I'm in to that news story right away. They hooked me. Oh, um, yeah. When in hearing the stories from the survivors, it's really, <laughs> um, it's really shocking. The video, what I like about this is uh, there's a little video, but it's basically... <laughs> All these fans of Star Wars in costume, angrily storming the lobby. Which, by the way, I'm on their side. You don't. If this is a big oversight by the movie theater. Yeah, I mean, sound is is pretty helpful in movies. 
that are not silent is what what I've always said. Sure. Um, <laughs> but you've always said uh, that, by the way. Well, uh, okay, but you're on their side, and you would, you know, storm the lobby and you know contact the national guard and and freak out as these people did. Or what do you mean? So no, no, no. I I guess I wouldn't take it to that extreme. I I have been a victim of the horrendous tragedy that is a movie not playing correctly in a theater Uh and it you know after a few sessions with a shrink i was able to recenter myself but the good part is they give you they gave me my money back and a free pass to another movie so i was fine with that now i get the idea of wanting to see star wars on opening night, but I, oh, mean, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they they gave you they gave these people unless they people stormed the lobby and damaged so many things that they made the people pay for what they damaged, which would have been hilarious. Well, the police had to come out. Okay, so they were they were like that unruly, and I mean, I don't that just seems to be pushing it. I mean, clearly the theater is going to make it make it work, and you know start the movie over or something. It looks like that, you know, it took a little bit of time, but it, you know, it's sort of the same kind of like on black Friday mentality of, you know, I, I want this thing and I'm going to basically riot. I remember reading about a woman who called the police because McDonald's was out of chicken nuggets. Um, you know, this whole calling the police because I'm at a business and I'm not getting the service I want. Oh yeah. No, we can't. It, It just seems a bit, and I mean, episode one of Star Wars would have been better without sound. So, <laughs> zing. So let's do some Star Wars spoilers. Just kidding, I haven't seen it. Yeah, no, um, you know, I can't think of a clever segue into this, but we do have a quick bit of news about UFOs. Did you see this? We just jam oh, right yes. into UFOs from Star Wars. Why don't you... Why don't you give us a little bit of the what's going on in the world of UFOs? So it's being reported in uh, in the New York Times of all places mm-hmm. that the number the, one newspaper for UFOs. I would like to go on record. Oh yes, yeah. Um, so it's being reported that the Pentagon is spending money on the UFO program because there are people who have reported sightings. Sure. Um, it looks like $22 million going into this. Um, and it all goes back to actually Harry Reid. Yes, good old good old Harry Reid. I saw that this was largely funded at the request of the um, Nevada senator. Yes. So um, he became interested in... UFOs after talking to um, his one of his friends and you know started meeting with officials and pushed for them to do that and so um, you know I guess it's good to know that they're looking out for us and that that's happening and you know it couldn't be anybody other than Harry Reid so um, pretty well when pretty you, important stuff when you're a Senate majority leader you have the you have the license to just take a bundle of money and go UFO hunting. And I'm, I'm quite frankly surprised that no one did it sooner. Mm-hmm. 
My favorite is this quote from the Mr. Bigelow, the, the UFO enthusiast. He said, yeah. internationally, we're the most backward country in the world on this issue. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that's, they, they are, pro, uh, he talks about other countries that are, they're proactive and willing to discuss this topic rather than being held back by a juvenile taboo. And so it's like, what next? We're not in the Paris Accord. We aren't. We're not funding UFO research. <laughs> what I, what I like is, in my mind, he says this because he would go to other countries and say, "Hey, if I got you a bundle of money, do you want to research UFOs?" And if all these places, of course, they'd say yes because they're getting free money. Yeah, he should contact us. We will do a UFO episode, and we don't need twenty-two million. We would do it for eighteen million. I listen. If they, if yeah, if he, if he came right now and told me I had to end this podcast, but I got eighteen million dollars for UFOs, I'm sorry, but uh, I'm I'm UFOing it. You know, I bet the best defense mechanism for the UFOs would be to tell them that we no longer have net neutrality, and they will just hightail it back out of this planet. I know it. Sure. They're going to have to pay $800 a minute to access Facebook, Matt. What is the UFO version of Facebook? The UFO version of Facebook? Sure. I think it's just Facebook. Okay. I'm not really sure. I see a lot some, of some, some people would say Mark Zuckerberg's an alien himself, am I right? Ha <laughs> uh, Yeah. Yes, but more of the I think more of the lizard variety with him is the is the claim, but it's amazing how much of that you see literally on Facebook. Yeah. So we can close that off with just this final quote from Harry Reid that's just I think it's just brilliant. Okay. <laughs> he said, "If anyone says they have the answers now, they're fooling themselves. We do not know, but we have to start someplace." It's yeah. You got it. I mean, wiser words have never been spoken. The journey, the journey of a thousand miles, begins with one step, Zach. So <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty pretty right on the money. Rod Serling would be proud. Shall we get into the main topic? Oh, absolutely, Zach. What if I just came out with something controversial right off the bat? What if I you you know you might have to plug your ears if you're a little sensitive to. To controversy, but I'm just going to say it. Christmas begins December 25th, Zach. Is that controversial? Is that what it is this year? Is that is that controversial enough for you? Um, I I don't know that that's right. <laughs> I uh, last year, I think according to the Target liturgical calendar, it's Valentine's Day that begins on December. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but fear ye not. That just means we get more Christmas. People like to make you think that Christmas begins after Halloween. But no, it actually extends into January. And that's that's good enough for me. Oh, yeah. No, I think that's what basically as soon as the Halloween stuff is cleared out at Costco, they they roll out Christmas and then. Right. People decide, you know, okay, what do we do about Thanksgiving? Is it Christmas before Thanksgiving? Right. Is Thanksgiving the opening act to Christmas? Mm -hmm. um, and then you have the, you know, massive 
you know, people stabbing each other over flat screen situation with Black Friday. Right. And then it's just Christmas. So it's then I mean, just just Christmas right there. Yeah, I mean Michael Bublé oh, descends man. down upon the populace, yes. invades homes. When you think about it, Thanksgiving is basically just pre-Christmas. It's practice. You eat a bunch because then you're just going to eat more on Christmas. So it really is just practice Christmas. Yeah. Well, and it's you know it's also kind of your last meal in case you get trampled at Belks the next day for Black Friday. Right. But I mean, have you seen the prices of Belks? No. Okay, yeah, me neither, but... Um, <laughs> I'm not even sure what Belk's is. Belk's, it's a it's a department store. Okay. And they're a host of one of the... They're a host of uh, an NCAA football. Oh, bowl. the Belk's Bowl. Yeah, the, well, it's actually, now that you say it, it's actually the Belk Bowl. And the thing about yeah. Belk is that their strategy is, you know, aggressive pricing. Okay. So um, you, you can get a pretty good deal. Well, they're... Uh, so the Arkansas Razorbacks played in the Belk Bowl, and the team got a Belk shopping spree. They're all right. the players. Right. And last year, they had, I think, two or four of their players couldn't play in the Belk Bowl because they were suspended because they had shoplifted. Oh, man. Like $900 worth of stuff from Belk. It was during, like, promo stuff for the bowl, I think. Mm-hmm. So, uh, by the way, my brother went to University of Arkansas, and so my whole family are big Razorbacks fans. But we were watching this game, and they're not in it. And they're like, yes, they shoplifted it. I, I can't remember. It was like $900 worth of stuff. Right. And it, it, okay, at Belk, that is like a full suit, you know, <laughs> a couple pairs of shoes, yeah. Um, you know, several shirts, jeans, like a coffin. Um, you could get a lot of stuff. I mean, that's just – I don't know how they carried $900 worth of stuff out of Belk because Belk is, you know, pretty aggressive. So – I don't know how we got on that tangent, so let's just let's just walk that back. Okay, fair enough. Um, so Christmas, yeah, the first day of Christmas, December twenty fifth, is a pretty big deal. Um, you know, a lot of families will be fasting on the twenty fourth, or right. at least abstaining. So they'll do a big fish feast um, in the evening, and you know that sort of culminates this whole event season of quiet preparation. And, you know, gearing up for the main event. Mm-hmm. And I think now that, you know, you kind of have the, the more secular stuff going on, it's it's almost more special because, you know, the rest of the world, like I said, they move into the target liturgical season of, of, of Valentine's Day. I think uh, and, don't priests are obligated to wear red during the target liturgical season, right? No, it, it's called um, it's called rose. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Or no, wait, 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 I guess that's pink. Right. Yeah. They they wear you know heart socks and stuff. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that kicks it off, and the celebration continues. I mean, and it can continue as far as um, you know the themes that go along with the the birth of our Lord and the nativity continue really until February the second, which is Candle Mass or the Feast of of the Purification, which is when you know, Mary goes into the temple, mm-hmm. bringing Jesus with her, um, and then she is purified, which is just you know a ritual after childbirth, and it, you know she didn't require it by any means, but she she's um, she's an o- you know, she's an obedient woman of faith, so she would have gone through it anyway, right? 
Right. I mean, every other woman required it who didn't sure. give birth to God. So <laughs> she wasn't, you know, her humility, she wasn't one to to say, oh, I don't have to do this. She, she, wasn't, so she, she wasn't going to pull the I gave birth to the Messiah card? Right. Yeah, she didn't pull that card. Yeah, it's a pretty big card. I wonder if she'd been at the Star Wars premiere. Uh, probably still wouldn't have, have done that, but... Yeah. Yeah, and so that, um, that I mean, that's a long time. That's, what is that, 40 days almost? Right. Which I think it maybe is exactly 40 days. So that's why also there's four weeks to prepare in Advent is because Christmas is, you know, a big, big deal. One of the great things about, you know, I've learned more recently, all these periods, like for Advent, we're supposed to be preparing and getting ready for the Nativity. You know, it kind of corresponds with Lent in the way we're supposed to be purifying ourselves for these for these events. The the great thing that I found out and I learned I, I, I say I found out, not like it was ex- exclusively given to me, but one of the great things is for all the periods of sacrifice we go through, the period on the other end is longer. So the celebration is longer than the sacrifice. Yeah, I I actually had never thought of that so for so for lent we it's 40 days of lent but it's 50 days of easter so with advent it's what four weeks so but the the number yeah maximum so like we're in a short advent this year where it's basically just 21 days right so then the the period on the other end would be 40 would be longer yeah so I mean, these, this time almost twice as long, but even on a long advent, even on a long you know, advent. So that's you know, more than ten days more. That's actually, if you, we should always be fasting and always be taking up penances for the right, for the right reason. But you know the because because we're a fallen people who need that motivation. The little treat on the other end is an even longer celebration. Yeah, couldn't say it better myself. I, I actually had never really thought of that until you said that just now. So that's kind of interesting to think. And, I mean, it definitely is. Mm-hmm. I mean, with, in both cases, you've got the longer one. And even, you know, some of the other big sort of feast days, The if there's a kind of a vigil before it where the day before is sort of penitential, right. normally that feast will have um, an octave to where you celebrate for eight days. Or, you know, the – I mean, basically, yeah. So the, the church does ask us to, to fast and to prepare for holy days. But then once we're done preparing, we actually spend more time celebrating. That's awesome. Yeah, because we're not, we're supposed to take joy in the faith. We're supposed to take joy in these feasts. So, right. And if you look at corresponds to, look at the, the, the Jewish people the and the people in the Old Testament, all these penances and all these things they had to take on, to basically purify an entire humanity to get to a point where we can have, could have Mary be born so that she could give birth to the Messiah for an even longer potential period of time of celebration. Yeah. I mean, basically preparing and, you know, that split even sort of encompasses life as far as Mm -hmm. this life, you know, is, um, it does have many blessings and miracles in it, but, you know, it's, it's considered, you know, the saints call it the veil of tears. Right. And it, you know, it gives way to eternal life when we die. And, you know, if at our particular judgment we are, um, you know, we, we get a passing grade and <laughs> make it to heaven, sure. then, you know, we spend all of eternity, um, you know, essentially inside of 
the Holy Trinity mm-hmm. in the beatific vision, you know, for all, you know, forever. Uh, yes. I was reading an interesting blog, um, and it talked about, you know, recently scientists discovered uh, these, I don't know if they were glasses or what they were, that allowed people who are colorblind to see. Oh, yeah, I saw I saw a video. It was a great video of a family getting their, their father a pair of these glasses. It was it was if I was a crying man because I'm made of stone and I don't cry but if I was a crying man I would have cried at that video yeah so a video like that could cause my allergies to act up yes it could happen right um but so what you know they what you know these people for the first time were seeing certain colors that they'd never seen and they couldn't really even explain what it was because they didn't have in their mind what you know what purple was right sure That, that wasn't a thing, but they look at it and they see it for the first time and they don't even have, you know, it, it doesn't fit a category of, Oh, that's, that's a shade of purple. That's that something new. Mm-hmm. Well, that's basically every moment for eternity when you, when we're in the beatific vision, right? Is that we're, we're continually seeing and experiencing, you know, things that we've never, never even imagined. And that's one thing that our Lord says multiple times. Um, you know, he has very, you know, frequently gives very vivid uh, depictions of hell, but he also gives these depictions of heaven mm-hmm. and about how, you know, we couldn't even imagine it. Right. And so I always, you know, after seeing that blog post, I thought, you know, that's just neat, that there's nothing there. You know, they don't have anything to really fit that into, you know, when they see purple for the first time. But they're just, it's just amazing to them. Yeah. And that's... so... That's crazy. This the we got real deep, real fast going in the beatific vision. We spun spun right? Christmas Christmas into the beatific vision in about five minutes flat. So there you go. Yeah, no big deal. No big deal. Right. I know. As a kid, I always, I always, when I was asked about heaven, would mention potato chips in reference to heaven. Sure. So I was what a, what kind? I, Any specific kind? Oh, Lay's. But that was only kind of really. I also liked Pringles, which have no flavor, but I, I guess it's just the shape of them was interesting because they're so organized in the in the can. Yeah. Well, yeah, well they, um, they had a very catchy uh, commercials, though, that made us all want Pringles. So, like oh, it, yeah. it, it say, They say uh, once you pop, you can't stop, but you probably could, but you don't want it to look lame to your friends that you're actually stopping. So that's, oh, yeah. That's why once the peer pressure with that these days, and a lot of the kids that are being pressured to just keep eating Pringles, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be a parent in 2017. My kids are popping, and they ain't stopping. What do I do? Yeah, that I, I hope that somebody thinks that's funny. I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 um, if, if, you just say words. Can we words. get a laugh track for those moments? Of, you know, peer pressure the audience. Hey Zach, we're just real people doing a real podcast. These things are That's not right. these things aren't going to hit all the time. But let's uh, let's go back into Christmas here. We we'll have plenty of podcast time to potentially discuss the beatific vision down the road. Mm-hmm. And Pringles. And Pringles. Yeah. So Christmas. I mean, basically, so looking at the landscape here, you've got um, Christmas Day begins on the twenty fifth. Sure. And that goes into the octave of Christmas. And so an octave basically just means that a feast is repeated on the eighth day and 
there will be, you know, reference made to it and special, you know, reminders of that feast during Mass in the days between the feast day and its octave, which is um, eight days later. So right. for Christmas Day, the octave is always January 1st, by the way, which is the feast of the circumcision, because right. on the eighth day, according to the law, our Lord um, was circumcised. Right. And then it um, sort of the proper, you know, superficial celebration of Christmas will terminate on the 6th of January, which is the Feast of the Epiphany. So this year it's on a Saturday. So be sure to go to Mass for Epiphany on Saturday. And that's sort of the day that our our Lord's birth was publicly manifest. So in some countries, that's when they do presents. Mm -hmm. So that one is fun, and that's the 12 days. And then sort of the, the extension after that, um, you know, time after Epiphany, you could call it, or or whatnot, that goes on until February the 2nd, which is Candle Mass. It sometimes um, conflicts with the beginning of pre-Lent or Septuagesima. So, you know, the sort of wind down from Christmas to Lent, the church, you know, foresaw that and, and gave us some days to sort of <laughs> detox and, and work our way down to Lent. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll get more into that as we approach Lent. But... Uh, right. So I've seen things that talk about the 12 days of Christmas. You know the 12 days of Christmas. Mm -hmm. We all do. How they are supposed to all correspond to some sort of thing, something in the Catholic faith. And it was supposed to have come about under the rule of Queen Elizabeth I. Right. So Queen Elizabeth I was just this brutal dictator, and she you know, was a murderer, and she sent people out to just, you know, bludgeon people to death, and they would have their entrails ripped out in front of their families if they were Catholic. Okay. And so to um, to continue to teach the faith, they would, they had all of these secrets. Because if you were caught, you know, hiding a priest in your house, yes. you, you could be, you know, there's martyrs of that. One of them, St. Margaret Clitheroe, she, you know, they, they drove over her on a bridge, um, you know, and Actually, it's funny because people do costumes of that stuff during All Saints time. So um, <laughs> the thing about being a martyr is you go straight to heaven, so it's not like you're sad forever. Right. But, um, you know, to order, in order to still pass on the faith under the, you know, brutal persecution of, of these just ruthless English dictators, they would um, come up with all these different, you know, secret ways. I mean, some of it was physical stuff, like secret passageways in their houses to sure. hide priests. And, right. And all that stuff. And then some of it was apparently, though we know that this is, I guess, contested, but was the 12 Days of Christmas song, where mm -hmm. each one was something they could teach children of, you know, kind of from the catechism, you know, of remembering lists of things. Right. Do you know? So, what are. So, I. I stand for something? So, I have a list here if you want to go through them. Oh, yeah. The first day of Christmas is, you know, a partridge in a pear tree. The list I'm looking at says that is Christ on the cross. So a partridge. Okay. Yeah, I see it. Is it a partridge being a bird that could be sacrificed on, on a tree? Potentially. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, a tree or cross, like you hear that different in, in like poetry or music. They'll, they'll kind of switch. They'll say tree. 
Right. Second day of Christmas, two turtle doves is for sacrificial love, which makes sense because turtle doves were always used as uh, sacrificial items in the Old Testament, right? They talk oh. about turtle doves. Yeah. Third day of Christmas, three French horns, faith, hope, and charity. French uh, hens. French, no, sorry. French, three Who's French hens. French, that's revisionist. Who's saying French horns? Oh, man. Is that a... Do we have a... Is, this, is that scandalous? Is that... Am I heretical now? I just never heard this. You might be. I mean, I don't know. No, it's, it is French hens. I just... My eyes went out. Oh, I, okay. Okay, that was your fault. It was, it was completely my fault. <laughs> three French hens, faith, hope, and charity. Okay, the cardinal virtues. That's right. kind of, you know, hens, cardinals. I like it. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> sure. We're really reaching. Uh, oh, yeah. Fourth day of Christmas, four calling birds, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, yeah. Fifth day of Christmas, five golden rings, the five precious wounds of Christ. Or five roast beef sandwiches. That works. If you've seen the, the Arby's commercial. So, okay, the five holy wounds. That's They have that's the meats. Awesome. They have the meats, Zach. Sixth day of Christmas... <laughs> Six Gisa Lane, the six precept laws of the church. Would oh. You, would you like to take a stab at what the six precept laws of the church are? Um, the first one is go to Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation. Okay. The second and one. And the second one is. Confession. Go to confession once per year. Once per year. Okay. And then. The third one is that's the terms and conditions nobody reads, right? <laughs> yeah. The third one is the, you shall is rece- receive the Eucharist at least once during the Easter season. Yeah, so that's important. Um, you, um, I mean, you're, you're at Mass every Sunday and on Holy Days of Obligation, um, but obviously make sure that at least once per year you go to communion. The custom now is to go much more frequently and Sure. You know, at our parish, the priests are there for confession so that people can, can be prepared to do that. So, I mean, a lot of people go every week, and some people go every day. The fourth is observe the days of fasting and abstinence established by the church. That would be the obvious ones like Lent and Ash Wednesday and then some of the other Ember yeah, days. Yeah, and Fridays. Fridays. On the, yeah, so for the Universal Church, Friday is a day of abstinence. Five is you shall help to provide for the needs of the church, which I guess would be tithing, or if you can't tithe, then help in some other way. Yeah. Helping maintain yeah, the church. Yeah, worded or... like that to say, you know, some of your your labor, some of what you're working towards in this life, you know, make sure to, to put some of that towards the church and, you know, spreading the gospel. And so, you know, for the most part, that means giving money but also giving of your time and sure. you know, just helping you know helping out the sixth one it says here is observe the church's laws on marriage so ooh, okay yeah and so yeah and those obviously do um you know there's the there's unchangeable aspects and then there's changeable aspects and, um because i think it's at different times it's been completely forbidden to get married during Lent, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I think other times it's just frowned upon. So that's kind of, so those are the six precepts yes. of, of the church. Right. Those are kind of, I guess those are sort of the terms and, and conditions or sort of the spiritual bare minimum, if you will. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't actually realize until recently that it, there are no weddings during Lent, which makes sense. Um, right. I mean, it's just not the time and weddings are so joyful. I mean, just, you know, so joyful that obviously <laughs> that once in a lifetime thing doesn't, um, you know, it just doesn't fit during Lent. And I mean, weddings are themselves a feast. And so Lent is, is a fast. And right. So it just kind of doesn't make sense. And it's just, um, it's just sort of a few weeks. When our buddy got married in February, I remember thinking, oh, it might. I was like, is that isn't that a bit? Cause sometimes Lent starts really early. Yeah. So I remember at the time thinking like, is, is that kosher? And then realized we hadn't, we were, we were in the clear. Of course we wouldn't, he, we, we wouldn't have been there. None of us would have been there, including the bride and the groom if it wasn't allowed. So, exactly. uh, seventh day of Christmas, my true love gave to me seven swans a swimming, the seven sacraments. All right. All right. My true love gave to me on the eighth day eight maids of milking, which are the eight beatitudes. Oh, okay, cool. I was like, what is there eight of? Like, I was trying to think yeah. of what that could even be. Ninth day is nine ladies dancing, and that corresponds to the nine fruits of the Holy Spirit. Bonus points, if you can name them, go Zach. Temperance? Is that one of them? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> they are... Uh, heart stars, horseshoes, clovers, and blue moons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those are lucky charms. Mag I, I always get those mixed up. Magically delicious. Mm -hmm. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control oh. that is what okay. i have here um Wait, was that nine yep that's okay. nine yep. of them oh, right. yeah, yeah. there's also a uh an option for self-control and chastity along with okay. the other ones and generosity so those are the nine fruits of the holy spirit Tenth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me ten lords. That's the drummers. Ten no, lords uh, a leaping. You're right. Ten lords a leaping. Ten lords a leaping. The Ten Commandments. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Eleventh day of Christmas is eleven pipers piping. Those are the first bishops, the eleven apostles, which I think is pretty cool. Oh and, yes, yeah, because. By then, Judas was hanging around someplace else. Judas, Judas so, was Judas was somewhere else, not on to, Earth. That's that's right. He was okay. So then the eleven, the eleven faithful bishops. Okay, I like that. I like their Thaddeus is one of them, right? Piper's piping the world into a I've new seen era. A lot of, yeah. The, so the Piper's piping is is getting actually pretty rampant. Um, in these parts and it's not even legal in Dallas if, I, <laughs> if people know what I'm referring to and that's not uh, what 
what you're getting on the 11th day of Christmas. 12 drummers drumming brings this thing to a close. 12 articles of the Apostles' Creed. Ah, okay, yeah, there are 12. I was thinking the drummers drumming was the rock band mask, but I guess it's not. Um, you know, it's so rock, the... rock band, the video game. Oh, yes, they loved that in Bethlehem. Yeah, the 12 articles of the Catholic faith. Should we should we run through them or is it it's basically it's just basically the creed? Yeah, the the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed. So, this is a that's a if that's all correct, that is a pretty effective way of oral tradition, a pretty effective way yeah. of keeping something going. Yeah, we would get just slapped around by a grade student on this on this knowledge. They would be like, "Oh, you don't know that the the seven swans of swimming are the seven sacraments, right?" Like, um, hold on, let me let me just yeah. type that into the Google. Yeah, uh, allow me allow me a chance at Wikipedia, please, youngster. So, yes, well, trivia moment for everybody in the. Um, in the fifth grade uh, Christmas assembly at my school, my elementary school, I sang for I, my part was four calling birds. Nice. So, oh yeah, yeah, I was right there at the mic, and I, you know, four calling birds. So you rang out, rang out the four gospels. Yeah, didn't know, didn't know then. But you know now. But I know now. If I if I knew then, what I knew now. Um, I think that particular moment wouldn't have gone any differently than it went, but <laughs> it would you know, be good to know. Right. So, so those are the 12 days, and then within those 12 days, it's almost, if you think about sort of the 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 crew around the manger, right. there's some pretty impressive feast days that happen around. right off the bat. Okay. The first three, interestingly enough, are all about martyrs. So, um, you know, as soon as you're done with Christmas, you kind of sink in to the martyrs. But actually, before that, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Okay. There is, you know, Christmas, Christmas itself. And so what that begins with is Midnight Mass, which is also called Angel's Mass. And then that, that always starts at midnight um, because that's when our Lord was born. Sure. So we do that. And that's why we do it then. Um the then there's the mass at dawn, which is the angel mass, is what it's or no, that sorry, angel mass is at midnight. The mass at dawn is actually the shepherd's mass. Okay. And an interesting point about the shepherd. So you know the shepherds tending their sheep. Sure. So these were actually um, they were sheep, not for um, not for use in clothing and handbags. They were sheep for sacrifice in um, religious ceremonies at okay. the time. And so the shepherds that were tending those sheep were watching for the sacrificial lambs of their time. You know, do you see do you see this parallel here? I, I'm I'm getting it. I'm I'm with you. So the the shepherds that you know are watching their sheep and the, their sacrificial lamb are the ones that you know then become aware of our Lord's birth. And so you can kind of see the way that God just orchestrates everything in history. You know, around around this moment, Uh you know, if anything could be, I mean, just, you know, planned out and everything 
points towards it for you know over well over a thousand years leading up to it mm-hmm. and then you know just that last little tidbit is is neat because you know you kind of just think oh these are just shepherds roaming around yeah with their sheep for fun but these were not these were specific sheep that were going to be used as uh, sacrifices at the temple That's so great. Or, i don't know if it was the temple but in uh, jewish ceremonies so that happens and then there's the mass of the divine word which is the third mass and at that mass the gospel that is proclaimed is the beginning of the gospel according to john which is the last gospel at all the other masses mm-hmm. so it's kind of neat because at that moment the gospel is the last gospel and then you know you kind of start the year again with that spot so at the end of every mass of the year is the last gospel which is the beginning of the gospel of john where it talks about you know in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god right and then you know the word was made flesh and dwelt among us so that's the actual um you know during the mass before the homily that's the gospel that's proclaimed in that that liturgy so it's it's very cool that's for the the crew that is either dedicated enough to go to multiple christmas masses or (laughs) maybe not going to wrangle their you know seven children to midnight mass right perfectly understandable absolutely they would catch that piece um so that's a fun tidbit and then the octave we should do an episode in the future just talking about octaves in general sure because the the idea a lot of it is that you know the church understands human nature and that sometimes the, the big day itself, there's just so much going on that you barely get a chance to to really notice it. Yeah. And so one of the reasons the church does octave days and will stretch out feasts for eight days is so that you do have time to really enter into it. Maybe the day of, you're kind of numb to the fact that, oh, we're kicking off this feast, it's Christmas, because of all the preparation. And the church understands that, and that's reasonable. So you get eight days to, to have it come up in the liturgy. So those are great moments um and that's where we sail into the martyrs so there's three kinds of martyrs do you know the three kinds of martyrs that are commemorated immediately after christmas matt the the names of the three or the how how you well you can do the names but for full credit it's the what is their sort of time what is their type of martyr the the type of martyrs Wow, this is a good this is a good question. I know that there is uh, there's purity for the sake of purity, right? The virgin martyrs. Is that um? Well, yeah, that's that's not where we're going here. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah, you're right. There's a million different ways that this could be going. So I'll just sort of so it kicks off with the well, ones who the die matter? for the sake of the faith, right? Well, that's every martyr, but yeah. Um, the well, who's the first one though? Do you know the name? Uh, it's Saint Stephen. Yes, Saint Stephen. And, and he so, he took a bunch of he took a bunch of stones to the body. He got stoned. Yes, Stephen got epically stoned the day after <laughs> Christmas. Um, and and he's a saint for it. So right there you go, kids. Um, another fun trivia fact: the the Protestant community I grew up in was called Saint Stephen's. Okay. So I've always you know had an appreciation for for that saint. Um, St. Stephen was a martyr in, um, by, by will and act. I mean, basically he was, you know, he died for the faith. He, you know, was among the apostles at this point. He was the first sort of martyr, properly speaking. 
Right. Then, who comes after Stephen? The second one after Stephen is uh, St. John the Apostle. That's right. Who is uh, a great apostle. They're all great, but St. John never left. He never left Jesus' side. He was always there for him. And then he was uh, given the responsibility of watching over the Virgin Mary. That's right. And so he is looked at as the martyr of by will. So he, he was willing to be martyred, okay. and because he, he remained at the cross with our Lord, that was his martyrdom, okay. so to speak. And so he was not bodily martyred in his, uh, in his life. He was the only apostle that died um, you know, a natural, peaceful death. But he, but he was willing to face the consequences of his actions, basically. Right. I mean, he, he yeah. I mean, he gave his life, and he, he did so in, in a way that that that's sort of why he's um, he's still counted as a martyr of of love because of the greatest act of love um, that he you know accomplished in his lifetime was remaining at the cross. You have to think they had just been made bishops hours before this happened. So hours before this happens, 12 of them are made bishops. Right. Consecrated by our Lord himself. Um, one of them betrays him. The 10 others, including Peter, the, the first pope, bolt. You know, they're just gone. Yes. And then there's only St. John that remains. Sure. And so, um, you know, interestingly enough, St. John never, it never came to him or occurred to him to to break apart from, from the others or, you know, break communion with them or, you know, condemn them for all eternity for what they did. Oh, um, interesting. Once they came back, they were back. Right. Something to just keep in mind. Sure. So, you know, if he didn't do that, much less could we ever think to do something like that based on what we think of maybe other people in the church right? or, or whatnot. Um, you know, he remained in communion with, with his fellow bishops even after they, they bolted during our Lord's death. Um, so he stays at the cross. That's his martyrdom. Then we have the the 28th is the Feast of the Holy Innocents. Yes. This is, so these are all it's the a very kids. sad one. It is. These were all of the kids. You know, you had um, King Herod was the, the ruler of the Jews that was installed, um, you know, with the Romans. And, you know, out of his, he knew the prophecies, and out of his, um, you know, desire for power, he wanted to make sure that the Christ child would not live. And so he had, you know, all of the children killed um and it's actually very similar to what happened with Mo, you know moses in moses's time when they you know they killed all of the hebrew children right and that's the, that quote from scripture that just always you know the um the daughters of rachel wept over their little ones and the land streamed with blood mm-hmm. um, or that may not be from but the, you know the daughters of april and all or april of rachel yeah. and all of that part um and so they're not they weren't capable of knowing what what martyrdom was. The the uh, but, the children, the baby, the baby boys that were slaughtered. Yes. Right. Um, but what you know, what tradition says is that it was it was revealed to them 
Um, I, I don't want to butcher the quote, so I'm just going to literally just read it to you. Um, but uh, the children were not capable of knowing what an honor it was for them to be made victims for the sake of the Savior of the world. But the very first instant after their immolation, all was revealed to them. They had gone through this world without knowing it, and now that they know it, they possess an infinitely better. And so God showed here the riches of his mercy. He asks of them, but a momentary suffering, and that over, they wake up in Abraham's bosom. No further trial awaits them there in spotless innocence, and the glory due to a soldier who died to save the life of his prince belongs eternally to them. And so that's why they're also martyrs, um, because, you know, in act, they were, in fact, martyred, even right. though they, they were not, um, they were not at the age of reason or they couldn't form an intention. Sure. But they did, they did die for the Savior and they, they became aware of this. And so it, it's interesting because as sad as it is, um, and you know, their, their parents were weeping for them, but as soon as it, as soon as it happened, they were, you know, they were told what it, what they had done and that they had, you know, they basically participated in the, the coming of the savior and you sure. know, they played an important, you know, role in that. And then, you know, then they had all of eternity. So that's the, the Holy innocent, the important feast day to remember. And that's kind of the three, the, the three for three martyr, martyr, uh, series that takes place immediately after Christmas. And so, and you know, it, it's in, it's just a very interesting juxtaposition to go straight from Christmas to martyrdom, right? But it, but I it guess doesn't. It, it makes sense because if the Messiah was born, then after the Messiah would be these people, examples of people giving their lives for the for the sake of Him. I don't know. It make it kind of makes sense in a way. Even though you're right, it's coming off of, coming off such a celebration to swing right into the martyrs, but it I could see where it would make sense. Right, and I mean they, you know, he came and took sort of the, the sting of death away mm-hmm. because now you know men could have eternal life, and so that's um, you know it's it's part of the mystery. You know, kind of putting those things together, it's a lot to ponder and think about. And every year when it comes up, I think you know, people will spend a lot of time just just thinking about that and meditating on on what all of that means. Again, as the rest of the world transitions into the target liturgical season of, of Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day. Well, I think that's pretty solid. Before we wind down, I want to have a segment, Saint of the Week. I thought it would be fun to pick a saint every week that one of the maybe lesser known saints or not necessarily lesser known, just one that kind of sticks out. Oh yeah. You know, they're all our favorites, but some of them just really this week demonstrated yeah, outstanding efforts. And so I, you know, well, I apologize because I get to take home the game ball. Right. I might mess up his name. It's Saint is Kyrian. I S C H Y R I O N. And he's a martyr. So he was he lived in the third century and he was a lowly attendant to an Egyptian magistrate. One day his master commanded him to offer sacrifices to the idols, and Iskairon refused. Is is Kyrian refused. I apologize, I'm messing up his name. Furious that his servant would dare refuse him, the magistrate 
had him killed by impaling him. So he met his end. But what I like about, obviously I appreciate all the saints, but what I like about this is it shows us that you don't have to become a saint by doing some grand display. Now, granted, refusing to offer sacrifices to the idols, knowing that you will be killed is quite grand, but it isn't, but it isn't very flashy. It's just good. It just, I always wonder if I was put in that position, what I would do. And it is, you know, inspiring to know that there are people who have done this thing to guide us. So, yeah, I, it's kind of a rough note. All right, saying is Chiron. Good, good, good game. Uh, it, it is kind Does of. Does he have a feast day? Rough. To, oh, I apologize. It's the feast day of December twenty second. So I wanted to tie it in with a saint that's upcoming in the week or just previously passed. So. December twenty cool. second. Uh, it's tough to end on a impaling, but I guess that's what's going to happen today. Well, I do have one thing I'll add that we can sign off with. Okay. Um, on, on the Christmas theme, is that you know there's a lot of different answers when when people say what is Christmas about, and you know, especially as our culture changes, that answer changes too. Yeah. Um, so I, I I wanted to quote a priest, and, and maybe we can put a link to the full sermon where he. He says this. Um, sure. And uh, he, he prefers to be anonymous, so I won't share his name. Um, but uh, I, I did used to know this priest quite well, and so I, I thought I would add this, um, you know, because it is a, a strange event, and it gets told, you know, all sorts of ways. But, um, you know, to clear it up, you know, our, our Lord's born, and what's the message of that? So what, what Father says is the message of the manger is that God came, even though we were at war with him. He came as a helpless baby so that none of us can or should be afraid of him to show us how much he loves us and how much he longs to have mercy on us. That's the message of Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's pretty solid. So I thought we could end with that. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, um, the, the full sermon itself, he refers to it you know, as an ambassador of love from heaven. And basically... You know, man has has sort of taken his. We've man has sort of declared you know, that we declared war is the the terminology, the the image that he paints on God, and so God takes it upon Himself to to send a, an ambassador of peace to to end that war and to you know reunite man with God. And then, what a two thousand years it's been since then. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, thanks for listening to this first of what will become many podcasts. Thanks. Yes, tweet us questions, comments, hate mail, all the above. And we'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>